to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of How Did They Do a Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sayla Prack. Today, I am honored to be joined by Frank Roth. Frank is a co-founder of Mobile Home University. They currently rank as the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States with over 250 communities and 25,000 lots spread out over 25 states. Mobile Home University provides investors with the information and training they need to successfully identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence, renegotiate, finance, turn around and operate mobile home parks. Frank, has trained hundreds of investors on how to properly buy and operate a mobile home park, 100% based on our real-life experiences in the hundreds of parks that they have owned and performed due diligence on. It gives them a great satisfaction when people tell them about the mobile home parks that they have purchased and how well it's going. So, Frank, thank you so much for spending time with me today. How are you doing? Absolutely. Sure. Glad to be here. So, Frank, can you tell our listener a little bit more about your background and how you get started with mobile home parks? Sure, absolutely. I went to Stanford University in California, got a degree in economics, started a billboard company, did that for 14 years, sold that to a public company. Then I had to find something new to devote my life to, at least my working life. And of all the billboards I had built during that 14-year period, one thing that had got me curious was I built two of them on a mobile home park in Dallas called Glenhaven. So I called the owner of Glenhaven and he, on one phone call, sold me the park. He sold it to me for $400,000 with $10,000 down and he would carry $390,000 for 30 years. And so I was suddenly in the mobile home park business without really much due diligence even on the whole topic. But I thought, what the heck? I only have $10,000 at risk. Maybe it'll work out okay. So that was my first park, and then I bought another and another and another, and then fast forward now nearly 30 years later, and my partner Dave Reynolds and I are up to, we sold off a whole bunch of parks, and now we're about at 175 parks and back to buying again. So, but at any rate, we've been in the industry for almost three decades, starting like most people with no parks, and then I bought a park, and then my partner Dave bought a park also back in the mid-90s, and then we merged together in 2010, but that's kind of the story. It's just basically been one mobile home park at a time. Wow, that's an amazing story. One at a time. And why investing in mobile home parks? Why is it a sound investment? Well, the first observation you have when you buy your very first mobile home park is that your phone rings off the hook. And that is simply because housing in America is a gigantic problem right now. So your average single family is $400,000 and your average apartment is now broken the $2,000 barrier. So people cannot afford traditional housing. So they're looking for things that fit their budget. And one item is the mobile home park because we are the cheapest form of housing in the U.S. So we get calls continuously. Even parks we have that are full might get 100 calls a week. So that's the first thing is the demand for it is enormous. The other thing you'll find with your typical mobile home park is that they have not allowed any to be built in about 50 years now. So, you know, Warren Buffett talks all the time about his favorite investments having what he calls a moat, 
which he explains is a giant waterway around a castle with alligators in it so no one can injure your business or compete with you. That's what mobile home parks have. Since they don't allow any new ones to be built, we have no new parks to worry Mm -hmm. about. So your permit is valuable because it's fixed in stone. Every year, there's fewer mobile home parks than the year prior because they're constantly tearing them down to redevelop into a new use. So the scarcity of the permit is another big observation. Third item is the stability of the tenant base because it costs about $5,000 to move a mobile home. So no one ever moves them. So your tenants are uh, very steady. That's why we have the lowest loan default rate of any form of commercial real estate. And then the final one probably is just all of the opportunity because you're buying them from moms and pops. So normally you're buying them from people who own them free and clear so they can go low on the price. They can carry the paper. And typically there's lots of room to improve the net income, most, mostly in raising rents and filling vacant lots and homes. Those, those would be probably the four key reasons. Wow, that's a lot of reason to invest in mobile home parks. And Frank, if you don't mind sharing with our listener, what are some of the things that you look for when you're purchasing a new park? Sure, yeah. There's five key elements when you look at buying a park. The first one is called is infrastructure because a mobile home park, even though it is just a parking lot for mobile homes, you have to provide water, sewer, trash, electricity, and in some cases, natural gas. You have to provide working roads. So you have to know how all those things are built, make sure they're in good repair. So that's infrastructure. Then you got density. The density is how many units you have per acre. But more importantly, it tells you how big a mobile home you can bring in and if the homes are safe to go because most fire marshals do not want to have things that are closer than 10 feet separation. So it may be that the park has to remove some homes to meet the density requirement by the fire marshal. But density is an important item. And then you have your age of the homes in the park. We want homes that are mostly paid for. So unlike most real estate, we don't really want brand new homes. We want to have homes from the 80s and the 90s and a few 70s. And they're homes that have no mortgage. Customer without a mortgage is much safer and more stable than one with a mortgage. And then locationally, we want to either be in an urban center that is safe, or we want to be in a nice suburban neighborhood. So the same things that everyone wants. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be in an unsafe urban area, nor do we want to be in a downscale suburban neighborhood. And then finally, the economics. Most park buyers, they're striving for a 20% cash on cash return, but there's more components. There's cap rate, there's cash flow, there's all kinds of different stuff. But those are basically the five key items. It's infrastructure, density, the age of the homes, location, and economics. Got it, got it. And Frank, uh, in terms of finding a new mobile home parks to purchase, do you have any recommendations mm-hmm. or what is your strategy for your company that are looking for these mobile home parks to purchase? Well, yes, we're probably a lot different than someone who's starting out buying because we've been doing this for so long. Your average person, what you do is you pick a territory, which is normally about a five-hour radius drive from where you live. And then you, looking at that footprint of territory, you start trying to evaluate the deals there, normally through brokers and cold calling and direct mail online listings. Those are the four key ways you find them. Got it. And Frank, you mentioned about like the location is about five hours from where you live and to look for those mobile home parks. Is there any specific re- like states or locations that you try to avoid or would you recommend? Well, again, for most people, it's really hard to get active in volume if you have to fly everywhere. Flying is a real downer anymore. It always has been, but today 
with airports and delays and the cost of flying and renting a car is just awful. So most people feel like they're in control of their own destiny. They want to drive there because if you go out to a park that's four hours from where you live, you leave at eight, you're there by noon, you look around the park and you drive home, you're home by six. So you feel like you're completely in control. Like at the drop of a hat on any weekend, you could go out to the park and see what's really going on. So for most people, where you currently live kind of defines what part of America you should be looking at. Because there's parks in every state except Hawaii. But if you want to be in the sweet spot of parks, you probably would be located in the Midwest. Because that's when you can drive the most parks in one radius. But... Pretty much all areas of America are fine. There's really no area of America that you can't find parks to buy in. Got it, got it. And thanks for all these mobile home parks. When you identify one, what are some of the value-add strategies that you would recommend to ensure that it will bring up the value of the park itself? Sure. Yeah, sure. The typical mobile home park has a very small playbook, right? I live in Missouri. We have the Kansas City Chiefs as our football team and Andy Reid, their coach, is proud of the fact he's got thousands of plays, right? He has all these different plays. In our industry, we only have a handful. We can raise the lot rent. We can fill up vacant homes and lots. We can submeter the water and sewer and push that cost back to the tenants. And we can clean the park up aesthetically, which typically lowers the cap rate, which makes it more valuable. That's about all we've got to work with. So we only have four plays, period, in our playbook. So every park you look at is going to fall into those four plays. Some parks we buy them, they're already completely full. The park already looks great. And all we're going to do is raise the rent. Another park, the rent may be already at market and it looks great. All we're going to do is fill the vacant lots. So, but we only have those four plays. It doesn't matter which park it is. Oh, that's amazing. And in terms of the expense itself, how much does it cost to operate a mobile home parks? And what are some of the biggest expenses? Sure. You've got basically three main expense categories. If the tenants pay their own water and sewer costs, it's typically 30% expense ratio. If the park pays the water sewer, typically 40% expense ratio. And if it's a tiny park under 20 lots, then typically 50% expense ratio. So those are kind of the norms. Got it. And in terms of the exit strategy, Frank, what are some of the exit strategies for the mobile home parks? Yeah, well, you basically got, I guess, three. One, you could keep the park forever. The next one is you could sell the park off. And another popular one was called a cash-out refinancing. So if you can take your park and if you can increase the net income by 50%, then you would qualify for a cash-out refi, which you'd get all your money back. You'd still own the park. You wouldn't have any money in it. So those are kind of the three exits. I would say of those three, the most common is where you just typically hold it for seven to 10 years and sell it. Cash out refi is probably in number two position. And then keeping the park forever is probably in third position. Got it. And Frank, you mentioned about financing. I know I asked a lot of questions here, but for the mobile home parks uh, financing itself, how does it work? Is it like a buying a home? So how does a typical mobile home park financing? Yeah, it's very different than buying a home. Mobile home park financing is plentiful. You rarely hear about deals that die because they can't get a loan on it. It really comes down to how big your deal is. So if your deal is under a million dollars, then you have two sources of financing. You've got seller carry and you've got what we call small town bank, right? Which would be basically the bank on the downtown square in the town where the park is located at. 
once you hit a million dollars of value or a $700,000 loan, roughly, then you got a whole lot more products. Then you've got national banks, you've got what's called conduit lenders. And as you go up the pyramid up above 2 million, you end up with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac lending. And you can get brokers who will find the loans for you once you hit a million dollars of value. So getting a loan on a mobile home park that costs a million dollars or more is much easier than on the ones that don't cost a million dollars. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Got it, got it. And then in terms of equity itself, I know, Frank, is this some things that a typical investor would come in with the equities to for the down payment or there any strategy in mm-hmm. like syndication model that is possible for the mobile home parks? Sure. Yeah. What people do is obviously you can use your own capital or you can get a financial partner. Or if you want to raise even more money, you can do what's called a Reg D 506, which is something under the Jobs Act, which is basically what I think what you're calling is a syndication. And then there's other things you can do with very little capital in our industry. One, you can do what's called contract assignments. So you tie a deal up under contract with an and or assigns provision, and then you can actually sell the assignment of that contract. And another option is called the master lease with option, where you take over management of the park with the right to buy it at a set price, mm-hmm. typically with three to five years time to do that. So you can actually take over the park without having to actually buy it. And Franks, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but at the time of recording, this interview is in August of 2023. What do you think mobile home park space or asset class would look like throughout the, the rest of 2023 and potentially 2024? Sure. Well, I think our industry is contrarian. So we're always hoping and praying for a massive recession, right? Our industry's best times began with the 2007-2008 Great Recession, because when times are terrible, our demand goes up. And when times are terrible, more moms and pops get depressed and want to sell. And when times are terrible, interest rates go down. So right now, our industry is hoping that we will have the big U.S. recession sometime soon. It really comes down to, will we have one or will we not? I know a lot of people are now trying to claim we will have a soft landing. I don't personally see that as an option, but it's possible. But if we have a big recession here in 23, then 24 will be a great year for parks. If we don't have a recession this year or next year, it won't be as good as it could be if we had one. But that's how weird our industry is. Every other form of real estate, whether it's single family or office or retail or commercial, they hate recessions. We are the only sector that I know of that likes recessions. We're kind of like the dollar store, right? Dollar Tree, their sales go up when the economy is terrible. And then their sales go down when the economy is good because people say, I don't want to go to Dollar Tree. I want to go to the more expensive store, right? And I'm willing to give up the $5 of convenience for not having to go to the Dollar Tree. And that's how our industry is. We're like the Dollar Tree of housing. 
Got it, got it. And Franks, and you also creating a university, right? Mobile home university as well. Correct. And what That's was right. the? Could you talk us through what was the mindset uh, behind that and sharing all your secrets with other investors? Yeah. See, Dave and I started buying mobile home parks back in the '90s, and by the mid 2000s, it was obvious that our industry was a joke. There was no science, no books, no communications of any type on how it worked. And I ran into Dave when I was speaking at a mobile home park event convention, and the speakers were so bad and the topics were so dumb that we both said, I could produce way better content than anything the industry has. And that's what we started doing. So we basically just started writing books and selling them on Dave's website, Mobile Home Park Store. And we kind of brought about science because before us, the industry had none. Today, about a third of every top 100 owner in the U.S. went to our boot camp or did our course to give them kind of just a background in the actual science. Because see, the industry, there is a science. Like everything Mm -hmm. we do, there's math to it. But you have to know how the math works. Like when we go out to sell a mobile home, we have different ratios. We have different stuff. We've tested everything. We know what works and we know what doesn't work. And so we brought like common sense to it. Back when I had my billboard business back in the 80s, I had an advertiser who had a barbecued restaurant. I had it on the billboard, but it was a very strange barbecued restaurant. He didn't have a lot of marketing and he had way too many strange variants of trays of food. And I didn't understand what the guy was doing. So after he was on the sign for a couple of years, I said to him, hey, I'm just curious. I have other barbecued restaurants on my billboards. Yours doesn't look like any other restaurant. He said, well, that's because this isn't a restaurant. I said, well, what is this? He says, this is a test kitchen. I said, for what? He goes, I'm trying to bring science to barbecue. He said, I, like on these trays, I have four trays of beans, right? I said, yes. Mm-hmm. He said, well, they're not all the same. So I see at the end of each day, which tray is sold out and which tray is untouched. And I then learn what consumers want. And then I look at how I cook them and I test out a little bit more sugar or more salt and I cook them for an extra hour. And he went on to become the barbecue king of Texas. He's the guy that when they have congressional barbecue catering, he catered George Bush's inauguration, right? Because he applied science to something where there was no science. That's what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to apply science, testing things, because our industry was built typically just on people with old wives' tales of things which had no science to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have been testing those theories and the stuff that we find to be a bunch of nonsense, we toss and we just keep trying to refine it. So, I mean, basically everything we do is in search of science. Got it, got it. And Frank, as of today, if our listener listening to you right now and they wanted to participate in the mobile home university, how does it look like and what would they learn? Well, basically, first on the website itself at msu.com, we have a ton of free stuff. We have a lot of articles, hundreds of hours, 500 hours or more of videos and content just to see if it's even an industry you'd want to mess with. If it is, then we have a book. We have a course and we have a boot camp based on how much attention to detail you want, how much you want to learn. So the book is a very simple book. It's an easy read. It's, I don't know, 200 pages long. The course, which you do at your own speed, it's much more in-depth than the book. 
And then the boot camp is three days of live instruction with myself, but it's done virtually on your computer, but with Q&A throughout. So it just depends on what people like to do as learning and then how much they're really interested in mobile home parks. Got it, got it. So you basically have all the option and touching for all the varieties of audience of what they wanted to do. So as of today, your company is the fifth largest mobile home park in the U.S. And you're purchasing them and you also selling them and now you're acquiring more. What is your goal for your company and going forward? Yeah, we don't really have a size goal because we're probably declining in size, right? Anymore, we call ourselves probably just the top 10 because we sold off 102 properties to a private equity group back in 2018. And then other people have expanded their portfolio and then people have merged. So we'll never be as big as we were. I think we are Zenith. We were almost nearing 30,000 lots. So getting big has not really been the goal Mm -hmm. going forward. It was kind of exciting at the time. That's not really the big deal anymore. So today it's just trying to maximize our existing portfolio and then add on things that are kind of in the footprint of where we already are. So we still buy what we consider to be good mobile home parks at good prices, but we don't have any desire to expand our footprint beyond the states that we're already in. We're already in roughly half of the United States, but you'll never see us in California. You'll never see us in in New England or any of those states because at this point in our career, at our ages, we just don't really want to do that. Got it. And friends, if you had to give advices to our listener who listening to you right now, they want to be successful like you as a mobile home park operators and also as the co-founders of the company, what advice would you give it to them? Sure. Well, the first thing is you've got to come up with an action plan because thought without action is meaningless. So if you say to yourself, okay, I want to own mobile home parks or really any real estate, you have to then lay out the methodology to how you're going to do that right? Mm -hmm. And too many people, they just broad brush jump into things and say, I want to buy real estate without thinking through how do you buy real estate? And it doesn't matter whether it's mobile home parks or anything. What you have to do is you have to figure out what you're looking for and then pour as much raw product through that sorter as you can. So if you say, I want a mobile home park, my price range based on my capital is it has to be $300,000 or less Okay, we got that established. What else? Well, it needs to be in, I want it to be in these three states. Okay, what else? I want it to have city water and city sewer and paved streets. Okay, now we know what we're trying to achieve. How do we dump material through it? And that comes through going out to brokers, cold calling, direct mail, and online listings. And the more potential things you dump through your sorter, the more you find, right? So initially, once you have figured out your plan, It's all about volume. Like most things in life are just all about volume. I don't care what you're collecting, whether you're collecting cars or art. The more you look at, the more you're going to find a really good deal. Got it. And right. So it requires persistence, dedication, science, but it's attainable, right? All the time I talk to people who started off with not a lot of capital, but they had a desire to do something, but they were very tight methodology in what they were going to do. They stuck with the methodology and it almost always works out. People who get into things that don't have the methodology or any science to it, it never works out. Because even if they find something, they're so unstructured, they don't even know how to do due diligence on it or get a loan on it. So they just miss opportunities constantly. 
Got it, got it. Thank you so much, Frank, for that advice. Right, really golden. And Frank, and finally, so I just want to ask one last question. If you have to rewind the clock, if you have to do it again, what you know now today, what would you do differently throughout your mobile home park investing career? Yeah, see, it's a tough question because number one, if anyone could rewind the clock, so you knew the action steps of when interest rates were going to go up. When they were going to go down, when the next recession is, you clearly say, oh, well, you know, I would have done something different right before the Great Recession or the dot-com bust or whatever the case may be. In our case, we look at every park we own as a learning item, right? But probably if I had anything to do over, I bought early in my career a handful of mobile home parks in Louisiana, and I hated them. So if I had to do it all over again, I would not have bought those. This is back when I was starting out, and I didn't know the science behind how anything worked. And Louisiana is a very tough state economically. It's a very poor state. And so I should have stuck with Texas and the parks I bought in Louisiana. I would have much better off buying more parks in Texas at that time than Louisiana. But yet I learned from it. So I can't really mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, I wish I'd done something different. You know, the problem in life is... If you change time, you don't know what would have happened to you. Like, in other words, if I said, well, I wish I had gone to a different restaurant because I would have not had to wait 10 extra minutes. Maybe if I'd gotten out 10 minutes early, I would have been hit by the 18-wheeler that went through the intersection 10 minutes early, and I would have been killed. That's the problem with time engineering. It's a very complicated business. It's not like Back to the Future movie. It's Way too many considerations like that. Yeah, yeah. Frank, I really appreciate you spending time with me today and taking out like your valuable time and to talk to me about mobile home parks and your company and also your mobile home parks university as well. If our listener wanted to find out about you, your company, and wanted to reach out or invest with you, where can they go? Oh, it's easy. Just go to MHU, which stands for mobilehomeuniversity.com. So you can either look, search mobilehomeuniversity.com or just MHU dot com and you can find me all day long awesome frank thank you again for spending time with me today we really appreciate you thank you you bet absolutely thanks for having me and thank you for listening to our podcast today brought to you by bonavis capital we would really appreciate it if you can go to itunes right now and leave a rating and written review also please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes you can also connect with us on facebook how did they do it real estate We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.